This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 42. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Nick Loper from Side Hustle Nation to the Baller Circle. Nick is an author, entrepreneur, and lifetime student in the game of business. His latest role is Chief Side Hustler at SideHustleNation.com, a growing community and resource for aspiring and part-time entrepreneurs. He's been making a living online since before it was cool. And I love that line because it's just so true and so awesome. Along with the way, along the way, he's picked up uh, a thing or two about small business, marketing, outsourcing, and a lot of other things that he's helped other business owners and aspiring business owners learn about. He is the host of the podcast Side Hustle Show, the author of many books, including the Side Hustle Path series, and his most recent release, Buy Buttons. So, Nick, I'm happy to have you on the show. I want to talk to you about all these things but the first thing i wanted to know is uh what does your shirt say um uh, <laughs> thanks for having me this is a uh, I'm, I, I'm due to uh post a selfie it says i rock the uh business building rockstar summit with nicole holland ah so she's got a she's got a virtual summit coming up as i like okay yeah she sent me a shirt so now i um i gotta i gotta post and, and promote the summit <laughs> so here <laughs> that's go sign awesome. up. it's bb i think she has the url on here i think it was, um, she doesn't have the. Sh- Anyways, <laughs> business building rockstar summit. Google it, join it. It's awesome. Awesome. Yes, Nicole was on the show uh, earlier this year. So perfect. Uh, yeah, glad, glad to know that you're uh, supporting. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So Nick, let's um, let's let's walk through your your background a little bit. But before we get into kind of the business stuff, I'm kind of curious. Where did you grow up? What was life like growing up? And um, what kind of inspired you to become an entrepreneur? I grew up in Seattle. I grew up near Seattle, out in uh, kind of suburbia out there. I think I had a very sheltered, very privileged uh, childhood. And where the entrepreneurial stuff came in, like I was always the kid, like trying to sell baseball cards or um, or candy, like at the you know at the end of the driveway or at summer camp and stuff like that. Where. I think kind of like as as an adult, as a quote, like grown up where the entrepreneurial bug hit me was in college when I kind of joined this college painting internship program. They called it an internship. I don't really know why. Basically, they assign you a zip code. They assign you a territory and say, hey, it's your job to go paint as many houses as you can over the course of the summer. Hmm. And they, you know, they show you how to paint. They show you how to estimate a job. They show you, teach you how to like sell this paint job. And it was my first taste of like working for profits and not wages, which was really kind of empowering. And it was also one of the first times that I wasn't, I wasn't very good. Like I wasn't, <laughs> I, mean, I was like, you know, top, you know, maybe top third, you know, but I wasn't the best of the best. Like I definitely was not elite. Whereas, you know, I had been the you know, valedictorian in my class, had been Eagle Scout. Like I was used to being kind of at the top but it was like not I was definitely not the best out here. And so I would look at my peers and being like, why are they able to go wakeboarding in the middle of the day while I'm running around between job sites, like scraping overspray off of cars, 
and having to like repaint people's decks and stuff like this is not you know working out and so that was really eye-opening that was really helpful but i remember like kind of the the maybe the pivotal moment was like on my very first day like i was just driving around my territory like this rainy you know march evening in seattle and sitting in my truck realizing like nothing nothing's gonna happen until you go out and knock on that first door like you it's you're 100 percent on your own now and people will tell me like i want to i want to be in charge of my own destiny like i want to i want to be the captain of my own ship right and the the way i try and reframe that is like would you work for 100 percent commission because or would you take a job that pays only on commission and essentially that's what you're doing as an entrepreneur it's you know the grass is always greener but at the same time it's it's pretty scary to have to cut your own paycheck every month hmm. true true interesting so i guess i'm thinking you know you have this challenging job it's something that kind of sparks that entrepreneurial interest and i, I think you made a good point there about um being willing to work for 100% commission because I think I think that would scare a lot of people, you know, especially when they first hear it. It's like, oh, do I really want to do that? Like, because as an entrepreneur, it's it's all on your shoulders. There's no paycheck coming from anywhere. So, yeah. what was it? What was kind of the next step for you? Um, what what uh, what led you to deciding to um, start a podcast? To deciding to to help other entrepreneurs um, write these great books? So after school, I uh, took a took a corporate job like you're like you're supposed to right you know you go to school graduate get a good job um and the reason i did that was i didn't i didn't really know there was another path um and probably wasn't ready to take that path at that time so that um i moved across the country it was working for uh, ford motor company um in their parts and service division trying to help their dealers like grow their service and parts business Car business was fascinating, but never really saw myself climbing the corporate ladder. So what I was doing on the side during that time, and what I'd started doing even before graduation, was some online affiliate marketing. And in my case, it was a comparison shopping site for shoes. That was my original side hustle. And I kind of validated that idea with these like direct link text ads on Google. You know, I started out while I was still in school for a budget of like a dollar a day. And you kind of like scale up as you, you know, try and make it profitable. It's like, okay, take a week to generate enough clicks to make a sale at that at that pace. But it's like, okay, okay, now I can go to $2. Now I can go to $5 a day and scale it up from there. And what that led to was, you know, having this website created. The original version of it was called shoesrus.net. The more recent version of it was called shoesniper.com. <laughs> and it you know, that was a great business for, you know, eight or 10 years that I ran it. And so it was, it was kind of three years of, of hustle of nights and weekends before I felt comfortable quitting that job at Ford to, to pursue, (laughs) uh, pursue being an online shoe salesman full time. And what happened during that time, like I was, okay, I, you know, I'm a, I beat the system, you know, I got out and now I'm trying to figure out what else, you know, what else to do, because I'm always trying to figure out what the next project is going to be. And so during during the time that I was running the shoe business, um, started another half dozen different side hustle projects. Most of those flopped, most of those failed. Um, but a couple that uh, did well, or a couple that are still around today, and one of those was the, was the Side Hustle Nation uh, blog and the Side Hustle Show podcast, kind of started as 
a little experiment to share some of you know what was going on in in my life and in my entrepreneurial journey and then through the podcast especially to uh, interview other been there done that people who have really opened my eyes just like well i could try that i should do that too so it's helped fuel my entrepreneurial add for sure that's awesome so with uh starting the podcast starting the blog what what struggles did you have along the way? How how did you think things were going to be, and then what actually happened? I, I don't know. Like on the like, I kind of started started on this mission as like a personal branding journey, which was kind of not, not dumb, but just like maybe like self indulgent in a way. <laughs> I didn't I didn't have a business model. Like I didn't know what what it was going to be. Right, so I would. I would read Pat Flynn, I would read Chris Ducker, and you know I, I want to be like these guys. Like I want to have a big blog um, that people come to, and you know, be like, w- what do you want to be known for when people Google you, right? And at that time, you know, wasn't wasn't very much. Like I had a personal blog that was really random, and and no nobody had any reason to to read it. And so it was when I narrowed down the focus to talk about you know specifically part time business ideas that thing started to take off people started to take notice of it but it was you know probably nine months before there was any revenue from it and so i was trying to figure out what that and i'm still trying to figure out what that business model is going to look like you you see people like john lee dumas right like oh you're going to make you know thousands of dollars in sponsorship money for your podcast well probably not you know (laughs) and so it's it's taken a long kind of a long slow approach to get there I think one thing that helped was, you know, it, it was fun. Like I enjoyed the writing. I generally, genuinely enjoyed doing the podcast and meeting my guests. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so I would see the chart, you know, the, the Lipson chart like going up and to the right and be like, hey, this is great. It didn't matter. It was, you know, 200 downloads. Like that was a great day. <laughs> um, it was like, hey, that's better. That's more than I had yesterday. So I'm moving in the right direction and I'm reasonably confident I've, extended past my you know immediate circle of influence there's there's probably at least one stranger who's listening now <laughs> so with that you you move forward you kind of develop ideas for how to start to monetize things how did you first figure out like i guess your first monetization idea that would actually work because uh, like you said i think a lot of people do have that same model like john lee dumas is making all this money from sponsorship <laughs> and he's making all this money from Podcasters Paradise. I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to model that, and they try it, and it doesn't work. Um, so, <clears throat> can you talk about kind of, I guess, one the first thing that did work, and, and maybe also if you have some like strategies that you try to do that didn't work, and and what what didn't work about them? Yeah, there's probably a lot of things that didn't work. Um, one one of the things that I guess the first way that the site made money was a private mastermind group that I would host every week for three months. So I put this out to my email list, and I think I mentioned it on the podcast. At that time, I had around 700 people on the list. So this is like you know, winter time of 2014. And so the, the site is you know, a little under a year old. The podcast is a little under a year old. I don't think anyone would have you know, raised their hand and applied to join this group if it weren't for the podcast. Like I think it was that level of familiarity, that level of relationship that had been built over, you know, months and months of people listening to me that gave them the confidence to say, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to spend, you know, an hour a week with you in the, in this group setting. And so I charged a uh, hundred bucks a month 
for that for three months and you know ran that for a couple of years, actually a little over two years. I'm kind of taking a break on that now to reevaluate. But that was the first thing that made money. Um, since then, like I, since my background was in the comparison shopping world, the affiliate marketing world, the site earns money through affiliate relationships. Um, some of the best ones, uh, best performers for me have been Udemy this year. I created a post called 134 Best Udemy Courses for Side Hustlers, Freelancers and Entrepreneurs or something like that. And there's a massive list post, you know, with all these different courses based on what people have bought through my Udemy affiliate links the past year. So it was like some some level of vetting that had gone on, like people actually, like, you know, order these things. And, you know, that post, you know, probably made $7,000. I did, all, you know, after the math, did a whole like write up on it. It's like, this was a $7,000 blog post. This is the most <laughs> money I've ever made, you know, from one blog post. Um, but it, and people were thanking me. Like it was a blatant, blatant affiliate play. But people were like, oh, my gosh, thank you for compiling this because it was like during their New Year's like promo sale. You know, they had everything, you know, uh, discounted like, hey, you know, make 2016 your year of learning. And, you know, so, so affiliate stuff like that. Uh, today, people are sponsoring the podcast, not not JLD numbers, but people are paying me to do the show directly. So that's really exciting for me. Um, and then there's like this whole you know, um, umbrella of other side hustles, like the self-publishing stuff, the online courses, the freelancing, the, you know, all these different experiments that kind of uh, give me some content to talk about and some experiences to re report back on, but, but also are, you know, money, hopefully money-making schemes on their own. Hmm. So for someone, let's say that, that they have a, have a podcast or they have a blog, they're trying to figure out a way to monetize it. Do you have a process that you use for testing out or deciding which monetization strategies to use? Or do you just like, are you a uh, throw it to the wall and see what sticks kind of person? Well, I would probably do one at a time, but, um, but yeah, throw, you have to throw it at the wall. Otherwise, you never, you're never, never going to know. Mm -hmm. This was, The mastermind actually came out of a conversation with Alex Barker, who was a guest on the show talking about you know the the value of masterminds. He used to host a show called the Leadership Dojo, where you know he'd found that you know that was a common factor from all of these like super smart, super successful people he was talking to. Hey, they all were in masterminds. And I, you know, my, when my friend first told me about this, I was like googling. I thought it was like an official thing, like mastermind.com or something. Like I was like, oh, well, I yeah, I'll join whatever. And it was like I, I did not understand it at all. <laughs> and so he kind of like opened that up, opened my eyes to that and said, you know, like you have at this point, like you've built up some trust and credibility through the podcast. People will probably, you know, join a mastermind with you. I was like, OK, you know, let's let's see what happens. So that turned into, you know, a little bit of an income stream from that. So with because um, I, I actually uh, I had a conversation with with Alex. He, he's been interviewed on the show. Um, and one thing that we talked a little bit about was paid masterminds versus free masterminds. So from your perspective, as someone who has, or at least has, has had a paid mastermind, what is the, you know, someone out there who's looking for a mastermind, they're trying to figure out what to do. They're trying to figure out, do I pay for a mastermind or take a free mastermind? What's the difference between the two? And why would you, why would you pay for one? What do you? So I'm, I'm a part of both. or have been a part of both. Um, so I've hosted the, the, private mastermind through the side hustle nation inner circle um you know lots of different group iterations through that and i'm also part of a of a free mastermind that you know just kind of you know peers have invited me to join where if you can join a free mastermind absolutely that's that's fantastic um the other the other option is you know if you 
are kind of an island and you don't necessarily know anybody else in this space, like that's when you kind of have to raise your hand and, you know, put the money on the line to get connected with other people who are. And, you know, hopefully a host that can help curate a, a group of, you know, people either at similar levels or, you know, working towards similar goals or similar projects. Um, and, and maybe a diversity of experience too to try to figure out, okay, well, this worked over here. Um, I think there's some value in that. And there's also the value of accountability, right? And that was Alex's big thing. Like, if there's no money on the line, hey, you know, I suffered with attendance issues. I suffered with, you know, people not taking action, not, you know, doing what they said they were going to do. So that is a little bit of, you know, skin in the game from that, right. from that standpoint. Okay. I like that. That makes sense. Um, so let's say someone wanted to decide to start their mastermind, right? They wanted to say they, they hear this, this episode and they're like, I'm going to do what Nick did. <laughs> and then I'm yes. going to start a, uh, a mastermind <coughs> group. What, what do they need to do to figure out whether or not they're at a place, um, to do that? And, uh, how did you go about, I guess, mar- you know, marketing it, figuring out pricing, that sort of thing. So I didn't, I didn't do any price testing. I just say, this is the price. Um, I, as far as marketing, I sent it out to the email list. I think I wrote a blog post on it too. It might have been right around the time that episode with Alex aired on you know, starting a mastermind. So he might have encouraged me to do that. And I was like, well, this is a good timing. We're already talking about the value, the importance of, uh, of networking and connecting with other people and you know, the, having this accountability group and you know, for feedback and all of these benefits. So there was probably some content tie-in on the site there. And I think I wrote about you know, the importance of finding your people and I, I talked about a couple different experiences where I really felt like, you know, these are my people like podcast movement or like world domination summit, or, you know, even at, um, like our wedding, right? Like we had, you just, you know, surrounded by all your closest friends and family. You really feel like you, you know, it's a great, it's a great feeling. And so the similar, uh, idea hopefully is with your mastermind people, like people who can understand you, who can challenge you, who push you to the next level. Um, that was the marketing. So as far as, you know, how to validate it, like, that was it. Like I was going to put it out there, say, "Hey, we're looking for you know a maximum of eight people." You know, since dialed that back to six, because I think eight people or nine people on a call, including myself, would be like pretty crowded, hard to get a word in edgewise. And I was, "Hey, we're looking for eight people." Um, I got I think seven or eight applications from a couple emails and probably mentioning it on the podcast and then on the blog, and, that, and then we were off to the races. I did a kind of an intro call with each person to say you know, to learn a little bit more about their business, see if they thought it would be a good fit. And, you know, over the years, there's been a handful of people where it's like, you know, this, you're too, you're too green, or, you know, this isn't gonna, and on the other side, I had one guy who was like, already making like 70, 80 grand on the side, and, you know, he had like this whole team of people, I was like, eh, you know, honestly, everyone else <laughs> joins, you, you might be a little bit advanced for, for this group. So I was just trying to get a gauge of, you know, who, who who might be um, a good fit for him? Right. Okay. So let's um let's let's talk a little bit about your your process of learning all this stuff. Did you did you ever hire a coach? Did you take any classes? Uh, what? How did you learn the business? I feel like and I've been talking to somebody on some people on the podcast about this, where her process was much faster than mine. Um, this is Rosemary from BusyBudgeter.com. And she's killing it with her blog. Um, and she's like very, uh, very adamant about like when I want to learn a new thing, I just look for the best course on that subject and I take that course and I just 
execute step one step two step three and ignore everything else and that's not me like for whatever reason like i'm the slow you know cheapskate like i don't want to i don't want to buy somebody's two thousand dollar course like i just want to plug away and, and for better or worse like it's taking me a long time uh, i think i probably could have accelerated the process had i invested more in learning but that's that's where i'm at uh, with that stuff um i consider you know pat flynn a great mentor you know all these different podcast hosts to be great mentors and i think that's it, it was this weird, almost embarrassing light bulb that went off. Like when I discovered podcasts, like I probably clicked the link from Twitter and was initially annoyed <laughs> that, that it was that it wasn't a blog post. Like they got they got me with like the the headline. Like that sounds awesome. And you get to the site and you're like, it's audio. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to sit here and listen for 45 minutes. Like well, how? Do, and I didn't even have a smartphone. Like how do I get this? from your thing like onto my it was just like a crazy thing um but after figuring that out and figuring out like all of this wealth of knowledge that's that's out there in audio form like really becoming uh, addicted to the podcast medium and and, it, and ultimately led to being like i i could have my own show and that's been a ton of fun and i just think about like i used to drive six seven hundred miles a week for work listening wow. to country radio listening to comedy listening to just nonsense it's like had i discovered podcasts early like how much farther along you know would i be <laughs> uh, or audiobooks even it's just i don't know it's it's kind of embarrassing right so since you're not a uh, you know purchaser of courses or hire of coaches what resources do you use to learn and kind of stay up on the industry so stubbornly a lot of you know self-taught stuff like google um <laughs> i was just like i don't know how to do something i'll figure this out um or, or talking to other people so like i'll give the example of udemy so i heard of udemy i think on another podcast i think it was with like their one of their founders and he's like hey look the average instructor is making seven thousand dollars like hmm. dude this is crazy you know i'll create a course and so i created this course it was on like how to hire virtual assistants, how to work with virtual assistants. And it was like, it took the better part of like probably three or four weeks to create this thing and like film it and do all this um, stuff to, to get it live. And then it, it was like crickets. Like nobody, <laughs> was, nobody was buying this thing. It was like, well, that was a month of my life. Like that sucks. <laughs> um, but since then, you know, having talked to, you know, half a dozen different successful Udemy sellers, they're you know, okay, I, I got to take another crack at this, right? Because they're like, you know, here, you got to have the sweet spot of social proof before you like launch and you got to, you know, you got to stack your first couple of videos with like your best, best stuff because most people won't watch past that. And, you know, you, it was just like really eye-opening. So then I, you know, created another course. It was on how to launch a Kindle book. And there's some, you know, the backstory to that was launched a Kindle book had some success, wrote a blog post about how to launch a Kindle book. People were like, this could be a book on itself. So like I knew there was some like demand on how to do this. Um, much apparently much more so than like how to work with a virtual assistant. <laughs> and so there like there was some pre-validation that went into it and and then was able to provide kind of that initial marketing push on Udemy to get noticed by their algorithm, start to generate some some organic sales from there. So um, Learning from my guests has been really, really helpful, especially on the Udemy front, on the Kindle front, even on the blogging front. Like everybody I talk to is like, you know, they have some tweak about how they've built their their blog traffic up, how they're generating email subscribers, how they're, um, you know, how they're interacting with their list, how they're, you know, 
promoting listener engagement on their podcast. So selfishly, I learn a lot from my guests and it's kind of, um, you know, a secondary benefit that I get to publish it out to the world for everybody else to listen to. Right. That's awesome. So, uh, let's talk about your book, Buy Buttons. So let's, oh, it's, it's, it's way over there. <laughs> I can hold up a copy. Um, so similar, so we're talking about Udemy, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so what Buy Buttons is all about is tapping into the power of these pre-existing marketplaces. And some of them are going to be household names like Amazon, like eBay, like Craigslist, like Airbnb. But there are hundreds of these, like for every niche imaginable. And some of them are completely off the wall, crazy. Like there's one called Cuddle Up, I think. It's like a peer-to-peer marketplaces for like some creepy dude to like come over and like cuddle with you. Really? And it's like, <laughs> my wife is like, e- <laughs> I, found, I found rates of like $95 an hour for this. <laughs> I was like, my wife was like, you need to like clear your cookies now. You can't like go to all these sites. <laughs> um, but like for every, like for, you know, content writing, for graphic design, you know, for whatever skill imaginable, for whatever asset you have in in abundance or you have the asset that's underutilized one of my one of the interesting ones was a dude in in Tampa in Florida where he was like renting out his wife's car <laughs> he was like we we hardly ever need two cars like i'm traveling for work you know part of the time so she can drive mine we were renting out her car on a site called turo.com t u r o and it's like it's like um airbnb but for cars hmm. um your peer to peer car rental service and it's like with the success of that, you know, I ended up taking, he said, I ended up taking out a lease on two new SUVs. <laughs> and, you know, I was, nerv- I, was, I was nervous to add an extra 500 bucks a month of lease payments to like my expenses. But those cars bring in $1,500 a month in like really? rentals. And he's like, hey, you know, we spend a few hours a week like going to the airport to meet people. But other than that, like it's hands off. Most of the rentals are like a week long. And so that was a really interesting one. Huh. Um, who, I like... Um, you know, Etsy sellers, um, one of the interesting ones was a Zazzle seller. So Zazzle, uh, Z-A-Z-Z-L-E, is like a print-on-demand kind of design service. They, they do t-shirts, they do um, like greeting cards and stuff like that. So she she kind of had a good soundbite. And she said she was doing like bridal shower invitations, baby shower invitations and stuff like that. Like if you Google baby shower invitations, Zazzle is on page one. Mm-hmm. If I was trying to make my own, you know, website authority site, um, you know, as a as a stick my flag in sand as a graphic designer and say, hey, you know, buy my baby shower invitations, like that would be that's a really hard term to rank for, you know. Mm-hmm. But this company already has somebody comes on there, they can discover my designs, and I can make uh, make a fee on that or make a sale on that. So kind of tapping into these uh, these different marketplaces, even for podcasts like iTunes is the you know is the go-to marketplace. It's about shrinking the shrinking the the known universe. <laughs> like so, I went to school at the University of Washington. You know, probably thirty thousand, thirty-five thousand. You know, undergrad uh, population. On orient at orientation, my guide was like, "You got to find a way to shrink the university, otherwise you're just going to get swallowed up." And so that kind of stuck with me. And it's the same thing in in marketing. It's like, how can I find a way to shrink? You know, I don't want to compete with the entirety of Google for attention. You know, maybe I could find you know a smaller fish to play. And, and JLD is a great example, right? I heard him speak uh, last year. He's like, "If you Google entrepreneur, I'm on page like 17." But if you search entrepreneur on iTunes, like number two, so <laughs> you know, it's just kind of you know trying to find these different mini search engines where it's easier to compete and you know it's more relevant uh, to find to find the people who are trying to find you. 
Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. I like that. Um, so you're, you're, I, I like the fact that you like, you've, you've kind of pivoted throughout these different things. You're kind of a self-taught person. You decided to, it, it sounds like it, for the, for the, for the people that you feature in your book, are these, uh, for the most part, podcast guests? A lot of the people in the book, um, are guests, mm-hmm. a handful of people I met through like help a reporter or I met through the companies. So where where this book started actually was as a blog post and actually before that I started with a podcast interview with somebody who was kind of like a sharing economy expert like mm-hmm. a peer-to-peer economy expert and so he was going through like a, you, if you stack you know this platform on top of you know if you're doing tutoring on wiseant.com and you can do like a furniture assembly on TaskRabbit and you can you know rent out your spare bedroom on Airbnb like all of a sudden you're making some some good money. Uh, so that was it. And I was like, do you have a list? Do you have like the directory, the database of all of these, you know, sharing economy platforms? And he was like, no. And I was like, fine, I will build this because it must be built. And it just, it took hours and hours and weeks and weeks and weeks to like research and compile all these different ones. But that blog post did really, really well. Like the most popular post of the year, lots of love on social media. Um, and so that kind of, you know, lots of love in the comments as well. So that kind of validate, okay, people are interested in learning about this stuff. And so how can I expand on that? So that's kind of where the, the initial validation for the book came from. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it was easy to comb through at that point back through the archives and look at guests who kind of followed that similar, you know, buy buttons theory. Like, where can I put my buy button uh, on these different marketplaces and, uh, and kind of build out the content that way, which made it a little less intimidating than like starting completely from scratch. <laughs> right. So let's take a quick pivot and talk about family for a little bit, because I know uh, you're married. I know you have a child uh, and a uh, child under one year old. Um, what exactly uh, is it like um, going through these different transitions as an entrepreneur? Like, did your business change? Did your work schedule have to change? What sort of, I guess, things should other people who maybe going through these same uh, or expecting these same life changes uh, be need to look out for? I think I'm more productive today, but less like I have less hours to work, but I'm more productive in those hours. If that makes sense. Okay. Um, the first few months, absolutely brutal. Like we were completely in like the buyer's remorse. Like, why did we, <laughs> why do we do this again to, why do we do this to ourselves? We have such a good life. Um, but, you know, now, obviously, we, you know, we love this kid, like he's been, you know, he's awesome. And kind of things are a little bit more back to normal. He's he's in daycare four days a week. And my wife and I both kind of take Fridays off. Where where it was challenging for me was kind of in the in those first few months on, on the top of like not getting any sleep. It was like during the day, you know, I would block off you know, meetings time, like, oh, I'm recording a podcast or have a meeting, you know, from this time to this time. And so that was, and that was totally okay. Like, you know, okay, I'll take care of the kid during that time. But during the rest of the time, like the time where I was needing to like get the rest of my actual work done, like that was open. And so it was kind of this weird stage of of guilt and awkwardness of like, should I be helping with the baby or I, I you know, really kind of need to do this work? Because no, no paternity leave for for self-employed people. So <laughs> right. that was a, that was a challenge, um, and you know, thankfully, 
my wife is very, very supportive <laughs> of, of all of my crazy online experiments, and, and she always has been. So we kind of, we knew what we were getting into, but we didn't know to the extent of like how rough it was going to be for the, for the first couple months. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that, Nick. I, I, I really appreciate it. Every, like every other parent will tell you, oh, it's the greatest thing. Like there's nothing like fatherhood. There is nothing like fatherhood, but they're not necessarily in the direction that they're talking about in, <laughs> in, the, in the very early days anyways. Yeah. And, and I think that's a good thing. I think a lot of people, a lot of people um, are be, <laughs> being more comfortable with being honest about how much of a struggle it is that you don't have to put on a face that it's, you know, <laughs> roses and puppy dogs all day long it's like it's a, it's a hustle i remember talking to one of my friends about it and and uh she described it as and i quote pure hell <laughs> <laughs> so but you know it's it's um i heard someone else uh tell me that it's the hardest job you'd ever love so yeah it's te- it's you know. temporary that's kind of what kept us through it was like you know it gets better you kind of know okay you, it's like you ever you ever watch like the, the p90x videos with tony's like <laughs> yeah. you can do anything for 30 seconds 30 seconds okay 15 seconds you know it's just like you know you kind of know that it's temporary and you can get through in that way and it, and it has been like and now like you said he said he set a new personal best for, for sleep last night so <laughs> things are things are looking up all the time yeah that's awesome well, Nick, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to speak with me and uh, talk and share uh, your advice and your story with the Baller Circle. Uh, before we go, I want to know, how can the Baller Circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business? Well, hit me up. Uh, it's just SideHustleNation.com is the best place to go. Of course, we'd have you love to love to have you tune in to the Side Hustle Show podcast, um, wherever iTunes and, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. If you hit sidehustlenation.com slash ideas, you'll get a constantly updated laundry list of part-time business ideas. And, uh, and the Buy Buttons book that we talked about is at buybuttonsbook.com. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Nick. I really appreciate the time. You bet. Thanks for having me. Yeah. That's our show for today. As usual, thanks for listening. Next week, I'll be speaking with Terry Grimaud from the hashtag hunter.com. And we'll be discussing network marketing and building a presence on social media. You can check out the blog post for this episode as well as other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.